Funding for Yale Cancer Answers is provided by Smilo Cancer Hospital. Welcome to Yale Cancer Answers with Dr. Anise Chagpar. Yale Cancer Answers features the latest information on cancer care by welcoming oncologists and specialists who are on the forefront of the battle to fight cancer. This week, it's a conversation about oncology rehabilitation with Scott Capoza and Suzanne Burbank. Scott is a physical therapist for the Smilo Cancer Hospital Survivorship Clinic, and Suzanne is an occupational and lymphedema therapist. Dr. Chagpar is a professor of surgical oncology at the Yale School of Medicine. Maybe we'll start uh, by each of you introducing yourself and telling us a little bit more about what you do. Scott, maybe we'll start with you. Sure. Thanks, Dr. Chakpar. Um, so yeah, so um, I'm, a, I'm a physical therapist by trade. I started in the Smilo Survivorship Clinic way back when it started back in 2006. So I was I work in this, the multidisciplinary clinic, um, and that's where I really got my experience working with individuals diagnosed with cancer. And then several years ago, I realized that I was seeing these patients in survivorship clinic and realizing that some of them really needed to have more hands-on, uh, more of a re- hands-on rehab approach. Terrific. Suzanne, how about you? Tell us a little bit more about yourself and what you do. Thank you so much. Um, I actually started um, a 10, 11, 12 years ago, I guess now, as an occupational therapist with a completely different focus in my mind as to what I wanted to work with the patient population. But over time, I was exposed to um, lymphedema therapy, which is a subspecialty of oncology rehab. And a friend of mine who was a physical therapist down in Florida at the time where I was working kept sharing stories of, of recovery and improvement and patient you know, satisfaction with her lymphedema therapy. And I had never heard of lymphedema therapy, which is unfortunately a common situation. It's becoming more common and more understood not only by the patient population, but also by providers themselves, that people who are dealing with chronic swelling in their legs or their arms or their trunk um, from various you know conditions, et cetera, head and neck, things like that, that those folks can get actual long-term and, and profound relief from the swelling that is affecting motion and pain and function. And so I got my certification um, 11 years ago, uh, and went through the program to get that certification, which is a fairly lengthy and expensive one, which unfortunately is probably one of the reasons why many therapists don't pursue it. But there is such a desperate need in the oncological population, as well as the non-oncology patient population, to address those issues. Um, I had the good fortune of working with Yale um, a few years ago, about five years ago, and was exposed to the Smilo Cancer Center. And now I have an absolute passion, as I know Scott does, to work with this patient population because it's such an underserved need. So, Scott, tell us a bit more. I mean, it sounds like uh, when Suzanne was kind of talking about the myriad of patients who benefit from lymphedema therapy, um, whether it's, you know, oftentimes we think about breast cancer patients and getting swelling in the arms, but it sounds like the patient population who benefit from both physical therapy and occupational therapy is really quite broad and quite diverse. Can you um, maybe talk a little bit about the patient population and the different kinds of cancers, the different kinds of therapies that are available? 
Sure, that is a that's a great question because there's so much that we can do in in rehab to to work with patients really throughout the different stages of their their cancer care. Probably the first place that we could start is uh, something that we call in rehab we call prehab. So the idea of seeing these patients prior to surgery. So whether it's you know somebody who's newly diagnosed with breast cancer or it's somebody who's newly diagnosed with with pancreatic cancer or a GI cancer, we want to see these patients before they actually have surgery so that we can get baseline data so that we know where that patient is starting from so that after surgery we know what where we need to take that patient to try to return them to their prior level of function. It also can give us a little bit of a runway, so to speak, that you know, if we see this patient early on and we do have you know, three, four, five weeks before surgery is scheduled, that we could work on conditioning and to be able to try to help that patient not just physically get ready for surgery, but also mentally. Right. I think we can all agree that the the cancer diagnosis is a is a is a scary thing, and it's a time when patients maybe don't feel like they have any control. But we, as rehab professionals, we can help give some sense of control back, especially in that in those early phases, to say we can teach you how to move your body going into surgery. Then there's the phase during active treatment, so during chemotherapy and, and during radiation therapy where you know, we're, we're trying to mitigate some of the, the side effects of, of treatment, whether that's deconditioning or that's peripheral neuropathy that's caused by chemotherapy, uh, range of motion concerns uh, that might arise from, from any of the different you know, diagnoses that we see. Again, patients with breast cancer or a patient who's diagnosed with a head and neck cancer we can see these patients while they're during during active treatment. And then we can, can continue to see these patients when they're done with active treatment, kind of the the, the supportive phase, the, the survivorship phase, so to speak. So for, you know, we think of our patients with breast cancer who might be on hormone therapy. We know those hormone therapies have their own set of, of side effects as far as joint pains or increased bone loss. So we can address all of that to design a, a structured, individualized exercise plan and really help serve as a bridge to help transition those patients back into the community, whatever that might be, if that's returning to the gym or doing you know yoga um, videos or that sort of thing. And there's also a place for rehab in the, the, the other phase of treatment, which is more the, the palliative and, and hospice setting as well, whether that's making sure that the, you know, that the patient is, is comfortable and you know, helps reduce pain at that stage of, of life to be able to do patient and caregiver education as far as proper body mechanics and making sure that the home is set up properly so that the patient and the caregivers are, are safe. So there's never a bad time to, to initiate rehab for a patient who's been diagnosed with cancer. Yeah. And Suzanne, maybe you can chime in and, and tell us a little bit more about the different modalities um, that are at play. I mean, it sounds like uh, physical therapy is not just one thing. It sounds to me like it's not just exercise or strengthening. It's also, 
you know, getting into sleeves or garments for lymphedema, maybe massage, um, learning about different um, techniques or exercises that might be helpful. Um, can you tell us more? Absolutely. And I, I couldn't agree more with, with Scott's um, information and p- perspective. Um, there are so many ways that people, patients, caregivers, family, friends, the support networks for these patients along their journey, pre and post treatment, and then long-term survivorship that we can help with. Um, Certainly the things that we do as therapists, manual therapy, uh, utilization of of cupping, dynamic cupping to help improve scar mobilization when the range of motion, for instance, after breast cancer, really inhibits that that lifting and raising of the arm, even for putting on a coat uh, or, or getting dressed or, or, or bathing, something as simple as that. You know, we, we do exercise, certainly. We do education, of course. Um, these are all really important things, and, and they follow the, the path of rehabilitation that we have followed for other patient populations. But there are other things, as you just mentioned briefly, as far as even the lymphedema side of the home, the house there is folks need to know how do they manage the the symptoms that they are sometimes left with, sometimes long-term, how do they manage the changes that occur with those symptoms? And we can show them whether it's compression bandaging, uh, compression garment uh, fitting, compression pump use. And again, this is just in the lymphedema side of the subspecialty that we can offer. It, uh, and it could be education and and learning the techniques for kinesio tape use for not only scar mobilization for wherever their scars are, but but moving edema again if the lymphedema is a problem. And and those are just a very small slice of the things that we do for modalities besides the general exercise, manual therapy, strengthening, etc., activity tolerance. I had an experience uh, that I could share briefly if we had the time uh, when I was working with a client and she was coming in uh, after having an inoperable brain tumor um, that was benign, thankfully, but she had had two surgeries over the course of 15 years that left her as a single mom and a young working person with great uh, attention difficulties, multitasking difficulties. So her primary focus, even though she did have range of motion and weakness on one side, her primary interest and and goal when she first came to see me was, I need to get a job again. I need to get back to work to support myself and my daughter. And so we spent, from an occupational therapist perspective, we spent most of her sessions basically focused on functional cognitive rehab, things that weren't more speech language you know, specific, but more, how do I redo my resume and figure out how I'm going to get a job and what are the skills that I actually have and how can I manage multitasking or all this input from a sensory or or verbal or visual standpoint so I can focus on my job. So those kinds of things also are really integral. Wow. I mean, it sounds like physical therapy has a lot more than just what, what perhaps the general public might think about in terms of uh, exercise and so on. Scott, you know, when you mentioned the different phases, so getting people into physical therapy right even before therapy begins in that kind of prehab all the way through to survivorship and and getting uh, caregivers involved as well, you know, how do people access services? I mean, if they're uh, living in a, a center that might not be a major center, uh, is this something that people should ask for? Are there 
other resources that are available? Do you have to go to a large academic center to to avail yourself of these? You know, that's a that's a great question. So if you it is something that that patients can can advocate for. You know, they can bring that up to their to their team to say, "Hey, you know, I'm 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 worried about developing lymphedema, or I'm I'm worried about being tired from chemotherapy treatment." And I do. I have to work a full time job. I have children that I have to provide for. So patients can definitely advocate for uh, for that um, where they are. As far as being able to seek out qualified physical therapists and an occupational therapist. I know at least for physical therapists through the American Physical Therapy Association, there is a website called choosept.com. And so if you don't live near a, a major academic institution, you can go to that website. Again, it's choosept.com. And you can put your state and you can put you know um, what discipline you're looking for and you that would include oncology physical therapy and so that will connect you with a physical therapist who's in your area who who has either extensive training in oncology physical therapy or is board certified in oncologic physical therapy like I am so so there are resources that are out there that patients can use Fantastic. Well, we're going to take a short break for a medical minute, and then when we come back, we'll learn more about oncology rehabilitation with Scott Capoza and Suzanne Burbank. Funding for Yale Cancer Answers is provided by Smilo Cancer Hospital, where their survivorship clinic is available to educate survivors on the prevention, detection, and treatment of complications resulting from cancer treatment. SmiloCancerHospital.org. Breast cancer is one of the most common cancers in women. In Connecticut alone, approximately 3,500 women will be diagnosed with breast cancer this year. But there is hope thanks to earlier detection, non-invasive treatments, and the development of novel therapies to fight breast cancer. Women should schedule a baseline mammogram beginning at age 40 or earlier if they have risk factors associated with the disease. With screening, early detection, and a healthy lifestyle, breast cancer can be defeated. Clinical trials are currently underway at federally designated comprehensive cancer centers, such as Yale Cancer Center and at Smilo Cancer Hospital, to make innovative new treatments available to patients. Digital breast tomosynthesis, or 3D mammography, is also transforming breast cancer screening by significantly reducing unnecessary procedures while picking up more cancers. More information is available at YaleCancerCenter.org. You're listening to Connecticut Public Radio. Welcome back to Yale Cancer Answers. This is Dr. Anise Chagpar, and I'm joined tonight by my guests, Scott Capoza and Suzanne Burbank. We're talking about oncology rehabilitation, and right before the break, you know, Scott and Suzanne were both telling us about the really dramatic impact that getting rehabilitation services can have everything from strengthening exercises, which is what we normally think about for physical therapy all the way to, you know, how do you buff up your CV and get back into the job market after a cancer diagnosis? And Suzanne, you know, when Scott said you can advocate for yourself, you can seek out these services, one of the questions that people might have is, is this covered by insurance? I mean, is this something that I I can truly avail myself of? 
Absolutely. That's a great question. And I do, I do get that question actually from, from doctors as well. You know, what, what sort of codes do I send a person to you folks with, you know, cancer rehab? So as therapists, we have historically worked on things such as pain and endurance and balance and cognitive decline or cognitive issues and all of these different things that really do apply specifically also to the cancer population, to these oncological patients. So I tell people, which is has been the case, of course, since since oncology rehab has, has come to the forefront as a new and developing specialty, that yes, insurance will cover this, the services that we provide because the services are the same that we provide for all of the different populations we see. For instance, you know, if, if a cardiac patient has a cardiac event, a, a heart attack, or, or sometimes a stroke, it's become common knowledge for both the population, the patients, families, and doctors that that patient probably would benefit from cardiac rehab. That's a specialty. But the codes that the doctors will refer those patients for would be things like activity intolerance or pain or um, things like that balance. And so the, the case is the same for the oncological rehab uh, group as well for patients that require our services. Uh, and insurance does cover it. It's just a different population coming to us, but for similar similar deficits, if you will, or functional issues. And Scott, you had mentioned um, before the break the idea of both inpatient and outpatient um, kind of services. And and I wonder, you know, for many oncology patients who might, you know, have their surgery and then be sent home, um, and they may live quite a ways away from, you know, any, any major center or any center at all. These days, especially post-COVID, we've kind of gotten into the virtual mindset. So can you talk a little bit about whether these services are available virtually and or whether you equip patients with activities or exercises or things that they can do on their own in their home that might help them as well without actually having to be in the hospital to get these services. Yeah, that, that, that's a great point, Dr. Chakpar, that you know, we want to be able to empower our patients through education. So yes, there's, there's a lot that we can do as far as making sure that we educate our patients on, on exercises and, and movement strategies that they can safely do at home. And we can, you know, as long as like for, at least for us, for physical therapists, you know, if you, as long as you live in the, the state of Connecticut, uh, you know, you can, we can do a telehealth visit. You can live in the four corners of the state, but we could still connect with you and we can go through, you know, an exercise routine, and also make sure that we are trying to set up, help you set up that um, that home environment uh, as best as possible. Uh, and, and I know that you know Suzanne and, and all of our talented lymphedema therapists, they do something very similar. Where you know, yes, they will. You know, they like to be able to do the the hands on manual techniques. They're also going to teach their their patients how to do their own manual techniques to be able to help manage their lymphedema. So. So there's a, yeah, a big part of rehab is, is education. So, so yeah, we want to make sure that we are setting our patients up for success. And, and Suzanne, to you, you know, the, 
the question of setting up a home environment. I mean, I can imagine that um, there are patients who, after a, a cancer surgery or, or treatment, might have difficulty with basic things, right? Getting into their bathtub, getting up, you know, the three flights of stairs in their house. Um, can you talk a little bit about how onco- oncology occupational therapy can actually help to kind of make home environments more livable after a cancer diagnosis? And and again, um, is that an out-of-pocket cost or does insurance help to make homes more uh, livable after a cancer diagnosis? That's an excellent question, uh, Dr. Shagpar. I, I do know from my experience, not only as an outpatient therapist, but also in home health, that uh, sadly, at this point, to my knowledge, um, and I could be wrong, so please, if anyone can correct me, that would be great. I would love the, the no, that's not true option. Um, to this, To my point, I believe that most home health um, changes, you know, the shower bars, the non-skid mats, the um, the accessibility options that are available, even something as simple as a, as a sock aid or a long-handled sponge or things that make just the basic self-care tasks easier and more tolerable until function is restored or improved. Most of the times, to my knowledge, those are not covered by insurance. However, there are ways to do things that you can modify a home with that sometimes are not as structural. I do believe that safety bars, you know, the the, um, handrails and the safety bars to go in, certainly coming up into a home, the the, um, ramps and whatnot, that is a different um, area that certainly is um, outside of the, if you could consider smaller financial investment uh, of changes. I believe that some of those things, of course, can be covered. Um, like it could be for any patient that has a need, but that would be very insurance specific and um, probably require a bit more research. So I will be honest in saying I'm not sure how much of those kinds of things can be changed or provided for by insurance, except for the larger, you know, lift chairs and st- um, you know ramp access. Those kinds of things I have seen um, provided for by, especially with with patients who are affiliated with the VA and things like that. Um, as far as modifications in this day and age where we have such virtual accessibility uh, through telehealth meetings or sessions, and someone literally could be on the phone on the, on, a, on their laptop or on their video camera, walking around the home and, and we could talk them through, okay, show me your bathroom, literally turn that camera around and let me turn that phone around. Let me see what you have. Let's see what kind of equipment you may or may not need. Let's see the height of that tub or that walk-in shower. Um, and looking at their the accessibility that they currently have can be definitely be done virtually. Um, as far as the lymphedema side, I'm just going to slip that in again a, a little extra. He ta- Scott is actually right uh, to, to tell our people and show them in person initially, reduce their swelling, and then teach them how to do it long term so they don't keep coming to therapy for the rest of their lives is actually an integral part of the program for lymphedema side. And, and Scott, you know, the other uh, question I I think people might be asking themselves is, number one, how much time does this take? And number two, can I really do this? I mean, all of these exercises, these strength training things, all of the things that they're going to teach me at physical therapy, can I do this? Can I, uh, do I actually know how to do it? 
uh, is it possible for me to do and how long does it take? And finally, what are the tangible benefits? Yeah, I think for you know to to address the, those questions there the as far as the the time frame and the time commitment that is very individualized you you can have two individuals with the same cancer diagnosis but they're going to have different they may have different treatments and so they're going to have different um, adverse effects from those treatments so to be able to meet with, with an occupational therapist or a physical therapist or, or a speech therapist for our, our patients with a head and neck cancer, you know, the, that's, the, that's our role as the rehab professionals to help figure out what that time frame is going to be. There's no, this is, this is not cookie cutter. This is not a set protocol. It's very individualized to the person. But then to your point also about, you know, can the patient do this? Yes, you can. And that is our job to be able to help teach you to be able to, to break down movement strategies, to be able to, to listen to you and hear what's working and what's not working. And we can, we can make changes, you know, to be able to change the different exercises that you're working on, to be able to change movement patterns in Ultimately, again, it's it's our responsibility, it's our goal to be able to empower you to be able to do these stretches and these exercises, and you know, and these uh, uh, manual lymph drainage techniques, all on your own. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to listen to you. I think one of the things that that we do very well is that we do create this safe space for you to be able to listen to you, and then be able to turn around and say, okay, I hear what you're saying. This is how we're going to take these, these exercises and help apply it to your life and make sure that it's all relevant to you. And Suzanne, you know, one of the questions that people might ask, particularly in the lymphedema world is, you know, if I do these exercises, I do the the massage, I, I wear the compression garment if that's what's uh, been prescribed, etc. Will it actually make a difference? In other words, will the swelling go down and stay down? And what if it comes back? How often does that happen? And what are the options at that point? Actually, that is such a common, and I appreciate you're asking that, it's such a common sentiment from the patients that I see for lymphedema, regardless of where it's located in their body and, and what was the, the reason they, they got it or developed it. Uh, absolutely. The complete decongestive therapy program, which is the four-pronged approach to lymphedema management for patients, has two phases. One is the in-clinic reduction phase. And our jobs, job as therapists, lymphedema therapists, is to look at the patient, as, as Scott said, be very patient-specific, see what their needs are, what their swelling volume is as compared to the unaffected portion, whether it's a leg or, or trunk, and then look at their home, their home support. Are they alone? Can they even reach their feet if the swelling is in their legs after having some sort of a, a GYN or, or prostate cancer um, diagnosis and surgery. So we look at the patient and we say, okay, here is what we have. And the tools that we have as lymphedema therapists are the manual lymphatic drainage, which is a very unique and specialized massage, very light, um, almost seems counterintuitive. And I can't tell you how many times people will tell me, 
are you kidding? Is this actually going to make a difference? <laughs> and it does. I've seen it time and time again. Um, I share with people the logic and the rationale behind that special touch. We talk about the compression aspect of the, of the complete decongestive therapy program. We say we're going to use the massage, the manual lymphatic drainage. We're going to use compression bandages if possible to reduce the size of your area that is of concern. We will measure you and or send you to vendors within or, or without um, the Yale and YNH program and system to measure you to get you in appropriate compressive garments. And then we show them exercises and we, we put all those, those four things together and we say, okay, now this is how you do this. This is how you manage this long term. It should reduce you. That's the goal of the in-clinic portion. Then you are going to maintain that reduction as you move forward. Suzanne Burbank is an occupational and lymphedema therapist, and Scott Capoza is a physical therapist for the Smilo Cancer Hospital Survivorship Clinic. If you have questions, the address is canceranswers at yale.edu, and past editions of the program are available in audio and written form at yalecancercenter.org. We hope you'll join us next week to learn more about the fight against cancer here on Connecticut Public Radio. Funding for Yale Cancer Answers is provided by Smilo Cancer Hospital.